today on Ag News Daily. We came together here recently to start a partnership directing more of these resources to Bruce and uh, his counterparts that are providing this cost share and technical assistance to growers and try to further beef sustainability while doing it in a way that also benefits waterfowl and other wildlife. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Selene Howell joined by Cassidy Zirkle, sponsored today by Kubota. Together we do more. Cassidy, you got any big plans for the weekend? Well, Delaney, Sunday is my husband and I's one-year anniversary, so that's pretty exciting, except he will be in the field, so my main plans are to cry that he won't be here. (laughs) Well, okay, teach their own. I personally like a weekend home alone. I am heading to the Iowa State Fair, so I hope to see some of our listeners there. That is super exciting, Delaney, that the fair season is starting back up, and I'm also really excited about today's episode. We have lots of big news and a great interview. We certainly do, Cassidy, but we've also got some big news in the headlines today. I want to kick things off here with today's WASD report. It was definitely a mixed report as far as the numbers that came out today, but we saw some changes, which were expected, to corn and soybean yields. USDA pegged corn yields at a 175.4. That's down just a bushel and a half from last month's report or their last yield estimate at a 177. And they put soybean yields at a 51.9. So that's not down uh, compared to a month prior. They put corn planted acres down just slightly at 89.8 compared to 89.9. So again, not down very significantly. And soybean acres came in at 88 million acres versus 88.3, quoted on the June 30th report. Ending stocks, they fell to 1.388 billion bushels in the corn market and soybeans. They were up 230 million bushels compared to last month. So like I said, kind of a mixed report here for corn and soybeans. They also cut about 8 million metric tons of European crop, likely due to Ukraine and lack of production there. And Russia, they raised the wheat crop to 88 million metric tons, which is up pretty substantially from the 81.5 million metric ton number that came out last month. So Lots of different things for the market to chew on today, Cassidy, post-WASD, but that is where the report left us for today. Yeah, Delaney, I know the WASD was very anticipated by all of our folks on farm Twitter, and it will be interesting to see how that affected the markets when you talk through them in just a little bit. Another thing that I think may be affecting markets today, or at least by Monday after the weekend, is a tropical storm that's forming in the Gulf. This storm is set to hit southeastern Texas and go up into southwestern Texas and south central Texas and kind of be the start of hurricane season, which will hopefully help that portion of the state get out of the drought. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, drought, Cassidy, D4 drought areas have expanded to four of the top 18 growing corn states. I believe when I reported on the podcast 
last week about this. It was just in three states, and now it's in officially four, Texas, Kansas, Nebraska, and Colorado. And as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, we're going to see record temperatures in quite a few areas as things are heating up in the Corn Belt. So that rain might be well Yes, Delaney, I know all of my friends in my home state are ready for hurricane season. I heard from a friend last night that their house received the first rain they've had since Father's Day this week. So it's been a long-awaited start to the more rainy season. But it's not just the U.S. that is struggling with drought right now. We also have England reporting some of their worst drought conditions in a long time. They've actually experienced their driest nine-month period since 1976. Wow, that is very dry. Yes, and there's been a lot of wildfires over there as well. So it will be interesting to see how their crops are doing when we start hearing about their harvest and everything else. But hopefully they get some rain as well. I think a lot of people could certainly use it. Although, to be honest, like from a crop perspective, obviously I want rain. From a lawn mowing perspective, I'm not mad that our grass hasn't grown a ton for the last couple of weeks. It's starting to green back up a little bit now, but I don't hate it when it doesn't rain because then I don't have to mow the lawn. Delaney, speaking of conditions and things happening in Iowa, did you watch the Field of Dreams game last night? No, I didn't. I know. I'm a bad Iowan. Uh, uh, Well, I know we're not a sports podcast, but I love baseball. And I just wanted to let our listeners know that the Cubs did win 4-2. to Of course they did. (laughs) Not that I'm a Chicago fan at all, but still fun to watch. Probably pretty mixed on who our listeners cheer for. I'm a Cardinals fan myself, so I didn't have any skin in the game. Well, I didn't either. I'm a Rangers fan, but I got to watch someone win at some point. That's true. And last year, you know, I don't know if you watched it last year, Cassidy, but the players ate the field corn or they, they tried it because they thought it was sweet corn. So glad we won't see that again. I don't, I don't suppose <laughs> that happened again this year. I guess I could be wrong. I didn't watch it, but. Well, I don't have cable. I didn't get to watch it in live either. I just watched the score on my phone just because I'm a big baseball fan. And hopefully one day I'll get to come up there to Iowa and watch it myself in person. Well, that would be a dream to watch the game at the (laughs) Field of Dreams, pun intended. Uh, But Cassie, before I get to this next piece of news, I wanted to remind our listeners that we are sponsored today by Kubota. Farming demands well-built equipment. Kubota equipment that's proven for over a century. Tractors that are adaptable and versatile. Hey Tools, backed by a two-year warranty, sidekick, utility vehicles where durability meets speed, and productive SSV skid steers. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. And Cassidy, as we continue to watch interesting lawsuits coming to light in the chemical space, seed trade companies Corteva and Bayer have filed lawsuits in federal court this week over patent rights involving herbicide technology. Corteva filed their lawsuit with the U.S. District Court in Delaware and alleged that Bayer Monsanto violated Corteva's patent rights to a gene that encodes a unique herbicide resistance enzyme for corn. They didn't say what trait specifically, but in their complaint, they point to its patent for the AAD1 enzymes that creates resistance to two different classes of herbicides with different modes of action. 
And in a statement to DTN, Bayer maintained that Corteva's filing came just hours after Bayer filed a suit against them. So it's a little bit of a he said, she said right now. Well, Delena, in the same realm of laws and lawsuits, I assume that there will probably be some lawsuits or some people at least being charged with some crimes in the county of Alameda, California, I assume. There has been a proposal outlined by their board supervisor on the county seat saying that they are proposing to outlaw any roping other than breakaway, the use of spurs for entertainment on any livestock, as well as the milking of any cattle for entertainment. This comes following an already banned mutton busting event in the county. So this has been circling a lot around my social media with lots of outrage about it. The truth is it has not been signed and set into law yet in that county. It is set to be presented and voted on in September. And it's also in a very, very urban area. This is the county where Oakland, California is. So I doubt that there's much rodeo events going on in that area anyways. Mm. Yes, probably not. But it is a slippery slope when we see legislation starting to come out outlawing our livelihoods and the event of rodeo. Absolutely, Cassidy. But let's see here. I don't have a good segue, so I'm just going to move on to my next piece of news, which is farmland values. You know, as we continue to look at farm profitability here for 2022 and 2023, we know there's going to be a drastic swing, according to the University of Illinois, in 2023 for farm profitability. There also is continued strength in farmland values. We saw a 12% gain nationwide and more than 20% gain in three Farm Belt states, according to Purdue University economists, uh, for the farmland values here in 2021. They said while two-thirds of the agricultural professionals who took part in Purdue's annual land value survey said prices for top-quality farmland in Indiana were too high, 27% of respondents said that they expected prices to climb higher this year and through 2027, Cassidy. So doesn't sound like a lot of folks are expecting the bubble to pop as easily as maybe we once thought. Yeah, Delaney, that's kind of disappointing news after what we've been predicting over the last few weeks. But I wanted to share a little bit of oil and gas news with our listeners since Tanner has been gone this week. I felt bad for not sharing any of that. And I'll try not to butcher the news, but the EIA reported this week that oil inventories last week rose by about 5.5 million. What is that measure of? What is the? BBLS. Arrows. Errols? Mm-hmm. Okay. The EIA today reported that U.S. oil inventories last week rose by about 5.5 million barrels. And this has seen a production boost due to higher prices in the oil. But on the contrasting side, gasoline was a little bit bullish with a rebound in gasoline demand after the previous week's decline and lowering about 5.0 barrels last week. All right. Well, that also ties in line with the price of gasoline, which we know has continued to dip below levels seen in the middle of the pandemic, according to some other data released by the Department of Energy. 
And a drop in gasoline consumption is consistent with what you'd expect during a recession. But in this case, they're saying it was also caused by a surge in the national average price to record levels near $5 per gallon. So did demand really fall that far? That's kind of the question that a lot of analysts are asking themselves right now, but definitely something to keep an eye on as we continue to discuss whether or not we are truly heading into a full-on recession or not, Cassidy. Yes, Delaney, we will, and we have been really watching to see if this recession is coming, if inflation has stalled, and what's up next for us in all industries, not just agriculture. But before you jump into your next story or cover the markets, I wanted to remind our listeners that we are sponsored by Kubota today. Kubota, together we do more. Well, Cassidy, I believe I am all out of news for today. Aside from chatting markets, what about you? I am ready to see how those markets were affected by the WASD today, Delaney. Well, it was an interesting trading session following the release of the WASD report today. But all in all, grains finished higher on the board. New crop corn up 14 and a half cents on the week to close at 642. New crop soybeans added five and three quarter cents to close the week out at 1454. Wheat ended lower on the day, trading the news that Russia will be having increased production this year. September Chicago wheat down four and three quarter cents to close the week out at 806. And taking a look at the livestock markets today, they also had red on the screen as the October live cattle contract shed 60 cents on the day to close at 144.50. September feeders down a buck 22, closing at 183.37. And October lean hogs down a dollar 05 to close at 100.02. Cassidy, without further ado, fill us in on who we're talking to for today's interview. Well, Delaney, I am so excited about this interview with Ducks Unlimited. We get to talk to them a little bit about their recently announced NRCS partnership that we reported on a few weeks ago and some other big news that they've got to share. Hello, listeners. We're here today with some men from the Ducks Unlimited team, Bruce Toy and Billy Gascoigne. And we'll just get each of them to tell you a little bit about their roles so I don't mess up their titles. But first, Bruce, can you just give us an overview of what Ducks Unlimited is and what y'all do? Sure. Yeah. Ducks Unlimited is, is uh, the world leading wetlands conservation organization, uh, a nonprofit entity that, that focuses on finding ways uh, to conserve wetlands uh, throughout North America. In my role, I focus in the prairie pothole region, which is our number one priority area because of the importance for breeding waterfowl. Uh, more than you know, two-thirds of all the ducks in our continent come from this region. So it's, it makes it our highest priority area. So what we do here is try to find ways to, to work with farmers and ranchers to keep those wetlands on the landscape and f- try to find ways to, to help those wetlands become productive in, in agricultural systems. So try trying to find ways to provide conservation practices that work for farmers and ranchers. Now, gentlemen, I know we just saw some recent news coming out from DU and the NRCS about a partnership that you guys are working on to improve soil and also restore grasslands in the Great Plains area. Tell us a little bit more about this partnership and how it came to be. Sure. So yeah, we try to provide a variety of services and relying on many partnerships uh, to do that. We don't do that just by ourselves. We've been working with the NRCS for, for a long time, and this uh, new partnership opportunity called RCPP has come up in, 
in recent farm bills and has provided a, a great avenue for us to work together to focus our efforts collectively to incentivize those conservation practices that are important uh, to farmers and ranchers. So trying to find ways to improve soil health on croplands, uh, to restore grasslands, and provide cost share for uh, grazing infrastructure to keep livestock and, and both of those systems, which is an important part of this landscape. Real quickly, I just take a quick step backwards. You know, Ducks Unlimited traditionally, I think, was largely focused on on those specific wetlands that are often edge of field and working on things like buffers and wetland restoration. And as we've grown over our 85 year history and worked with private landowners and, and our science teams, recognizing that a lot of the conditions uh, of those wetlands that we care about for waterfowl are impacted by on-farm management practices. And so we, we have uh, on the ground agronomy programs for Bruce's leadership to do a lot more infield uh, conservation work. And that's where this RCPP really focuses um, to bring not only resources to those edge of field habitats that we will continue to care about, but also those infield day in, day out production systems that our participating growers, you know, have to manage from an ag production standpoint and finding those win-wins uh, for conservation. Now, Billy, I know you said you have a bit of a broader view of everything. And before we started recording here, you said you play more of a national role while Bruce is at the state level with Ducks Unlimited. So what is your specific role in partnerships like this and how do you help facilitate that? Yeah, sure. So I'm the National Director of Agriculture and Strategic Partnerships. Um, And and I I work with the likes of Bruce and others across the country and even some counterparts in Canada where we have a sister organization um, to make sure we're identifying those opportunities for us to leverage resources uh, that Bruce and others are hearing from their producer constituents. So, you know, they're the eyes and ears on the ground hearing what farmers and ranchers need to continue to try to improve their management practices and resources are needed to address that risk that sometimes go along with practice changes. And so my job is to work with our conservation staff um, and public and private partnerships and help put um, these pieces together. It's not easy to to go raise a bunch of money and it takes a lot of matching contributions and and partnerships across a whole breadth of different sectors. And that's sort of where I, I try to add value. Now, this partnership in particular, RCPP, uh, includes 20 different conservation partners across multiple states and also about $17 million of investment in prairie working lands. What specifically will that $17 million be earmarked for? Those dollars will come from a variety of those partners uh, and really offer a, a wide variety of services. Most of those uh, will come in the forms of, of technical and financial assistance. Uh, going directly to producers that are looking to uh, um, incorporate these practices uh, into their operation. Uh, we'll also be focusing on uh, data collection uh, on site to help us quantify the benefits of environmental and, and financial outcomes that develop uh, from these, these new practices. Uh, also, an emphasis on uh, providing opportunities for our producers to extend their educational outreach, so providing avenues to uh, go to external workshops and field days and and, and learning experiences to help extend that partnership connection. Yeah. And quick follow-up for you, Bruce, you mentioned some of those uh, farmer producer focused outreach components. A lot of our listeners are kind of in that producer space. So tell us a little bit more about what they can expect within the program. 
Yeah, so the, the program really, uh, uh, what we're offering through the, this NRCS partnership is, is, is cost share for practices that help restore grasslands and, and improve uh, uh, soil health on cropland. So uh, we have an opportunity to provide cost share exactly for, for, for grass seed to restore those marginally productive cropland acres back into a perennial species. Uh, we can provide an incentive payment while that grassland establishes. Uh, we can provide cost share for cover crops. Uh, and diverse crop rotations and cropping systems to improve soil health and provide cost share for grazing infrastructure. So uh, cross fencing and, and water infrastructure to help improve grazing systems in both of those uh, operations will be available through this program. So I did see that the initial applications were due back in June. So if any of our listeners were wanting to get involved with this program, is there still a way that they can benefit from these partnerships that y'all are putting on? Yeah, so that was our initial sign up uh, in June, kind of the first the first phase, if you will. This is a brand new funding mechanism, so we're uh, learning all of the, the the tweaks to deliver this type of program. Uh, we uh, intend to have multiple signups uh, over the next five years to help uh, reach growers that become interested in the meantime. Billy, this is directed more towards you since we are upon a new farm bill. What are some key uh areas that you're watching, because we know, of course, the Biden administration has been very active in pushing kind of an environmental first agenda. From your perspective, what are some of those issues that you're watching that may impact DU or some of the farmers and ranchers that you work with? Yeah, I mean, most of the programs, all of the programs that we're delivering are voluntary-based conservation programs with huge, uh, you know, support coming from USDA and the Farm Bill. Um, and so that's really where we built our programs on that voluntary conservation. Um, so it has to come from uh, the, the landowners themselves. And we're just simply taking that, that message to the hill and championing for the resources that those growers need. Um, and so that's where, continue, where we're going to continue to focus um, and champion because we have more demand right now coming from private landowners than these programs can support. Um, at the same time, we have a lot of capacity, I think, that we can help our friends out within FSA and NRCS, helping deliver these programs. Um, and you're right, that climate smart, climate smart commodity focus um, has really taken center stage here recently. Uh, we expect it to be uh, a, a topic here as we go into the next farm bill. And, um, you know, I think we're very encouraged by the, the leadership within the ag community themselves to embrace that. And um, hopefully they look to Ducks Unlimited as a go-to partner to help them on those continuous improvement journeys. So, um, again, yeah, just working hand-in-hand with our ag partners to go and champion for voluntary conservation programs that we then can go deliver and, and find those conservation outcomes we both care about. And Billy, in addition to that, I know I've seen DU in a lot of news articles lately of other partnerships y'all have announced and other projects y'all are working on. What are some pretty exciting things that y'all have coming up in the future? Yeah, one you might have seen here recently uh, where we announced a partnership with Certified Angus Beef. Um, Obviously a a go-to, highly recognizable brand within the beef industry. Um, And we feel like we have a tremendous amount of synergies to leverage each other's resources and and reach, uh, both in ag and conservation and private lands. And so we came together here recently to start a partnership directing more of these resources to Bruce and uh, his counterparts that are providing those cost share and technical assistance uh, to growers and, um, and try to further beef sustainability 
um, while doing it in a way that also benefits waterfowl and other wildlife. Um, so that's a very exciting partnership for us. And I think there's a lot of room to grow um, and talk about the positive benefits that we see within the ranching community and working grasslands. Um, you know, they're the, these ranchers are the, the stewards of our remaining grasslands uh, where these waterfowl are nesting. And, and we have to work hand in hand and find economically viable solutions for them seeking to continue to improve their grazing and, and provide these resources provide these benefits that we all that we all get throughout society. So that's one that we're really excited about and hopefully there'll be more news to come there on, on the growth of that partnership and how it rolls out over the next three years. Fantastic. Well, Billy and Bruce, we certainly appreciate you both joining us today and we'll be on the watch for any updates to this program or others you've got in the works. That was a great conversation with Ducks Unlimited Delaney. I'm so happy that they joined us and I'm so excited to share that conversation with our listeners. Absolutely. Looking forward to more great conversations next week, Cassidy, because we recorded a couple of good ones that were slating ahead for next week, folks. A couple of beef-focused interviews. So do stay tuned for that. Cassidy, in the meantime, folks can also interact with us on social media at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go. Let's let them go.